Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling. And with me today, I have Lindsay Steffen, our often co-host on this radio show. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, thank you for having me. As always, you're one of my team members in this radio show. (laughs) So we welcome you to the show today, which is titled, When the Vow Breaks. This will be one of a two-part series on divorce because divorce is a huge topic, right? Yeah, absolutely. Can't fit that into half-hour show. (laughs) Yeah, and we won't fit it into two, but we are going to try to hit some highlights. So here's where we're going with this today. In this show, we're going to talk about divorce and the Christian, and then divorce recovery tools. We're not just trying to hit out whether you should or shouldn't get a divorce. We want to talk about what the Bible says, what it means to a Christian who has been divorced, and then how to get over that and move on in positive ways in life. The second part of our two-part series, we'll be talking about children in divorce and also about the role of friends and family of those who are divorced. How can we help support people in that process and after that process and and what those roles are? So it's a two-part series. Listen today, listen next time. If you can't tune into the radio show at the right time, you can find us on podcast at Wellspring on the Air on any of your favorite podcast stations. So Wellspring on the Air, this is part one of When the Vow Breaks. So let's dive into our first topic, Lindsay, which is divorce and the Christian. I've decided to start this by telling you a little bit of my story. Okay. In prep for the show, I told you a little bit, Lindsay, but I'm going to tell a little bit of mine because I don't, I feel okay about my divorce. I feel completely recovered from it and I'm grateful for where I am today. So I'm going to just mention that because I may give some examples throughout and I wanted to make it clear for you wondering minds out there. So I am divorced. I have now been remarried for 29 years, happily, wonderfully married. So I see this divorce as actually God's grace in my life that he had. And I dated a guy starting the beginning of college, a Christian college, Wheaton College, and we dated for four years and got married right after. It was like the thing to do at a Christian college. You get an MRS degree. And so anyway, so I got my MRS degree, got married two weeks after graduation, and um, was married for five years. So it was significant years of my life from 17 to 27, 10 years. And and I think I grew up in those 10 years. And um, he did too. And when we were growing up, we weren't a match anymore. Hmm. He left. He left kind of as the bad guy. I'll say that, but I'm going to mention this later. He 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 left the faith. We were he was in seminary to be a pastor. We worked in a church. He left the faith. He left seminary. He left me. He married another woman months after we were divorced. And so in the whose fault it is category, he's the bad guy. But I actually don't believe that. I actually believe that everybody plays a part. But I do feel that God... I made a decision I shouldn't have made, and God uh, rescued me from that. So Mm -hmm. that's the short version of my uh, sordid story. And so I wanted to say that because I want to say to the listeners that I I get this. I get the process. I I actually am lucky relative to the fact that I have no children with him, and Mm -hmm. so I don't have any contact with him. So that made my life much, much easier than what a lot of people live with after a divorce. So, again, I just feel grateful for for my piece. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad you can share with us today the clinical side, but also from your personal experience. I think that's valuable for our listeners to know it's not someone just bringing you all the research, but someone speaking from the heart too. 
Yeah, it's a risk, but I'm 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 good with it because I'm yeah. at peace with who I am and where I've been. And I think that's one of the points we want to make later in the show. So I'll just throw it in now, which is that um, whether it was good or bad or my fault or someone else's fault, it's just true. It just it's, is. It just is. It's yeah. the truth of my life. And sometimes people try to, after the divorce, to pretend they were never married before. We've seen yeah. you had. You were telling me about a teenager who found out about her parents' divorce. Yeah. So I know someone who didn't find out that her parent had been divorced until very late in high school, almost going into college, and had a lot of feelings about that. You know, because that's a significant part of someone's story. I think. Have you been with someone else? Have you been in love? All those things, and to have been divorced and find out later I think those things they don't need to be a secret or we don't need to pretend good and bad things have happened or not happened in our life so transparency that's the goal today it is it's just it's just true it's true Mm -hmm. you were married it's true you're divorced it's true you're remarried it's true it was your fault or theirs or everyone's or no one's it's just true and so we have to really do enough clinical work enough emotional work enough recovery work to be okay with the truth yeah because we live in the present we have grace as believers as and we live in the present. God forgives. God loves. He has futures for us. And so this this show is really about when the vow breaks, then what? You know? Yeah. And how do we recover and live with that as honest? All right. The first thing I want to address, though, is just what the Bible has to say about divorce. And I'm not going to do a long theological piece here. I don't have theological training in this, just lots of study yeah. and training. So I want to hit on some key things because for the divorce rate for Christians is as high as non-Christians. Yeah. Yeah, which might surprise some people. But yeah, divorce is the same statistic in the church. Yeah, and that's sad. And so so what does it mean to be a Christian who's divorced? I think it complicates it even more a little bit because it's like, oh, what does the Bible say? And am I okay with God? If you're Catholic, you have to go back and try and and make it annulled. So I know people deciding if they're going to annul a marriage of 25 years with three kids. It's like hard to pretend that didn't exist or that that was never a marriage. And so you can't annul a lifetime together almost, you know, or a quarter of a lifetime. You really can't. And so how do we live with that as a Christian? And how do we face, do I get a divorce? And how do I feel about myself afterwards? So first of all, I, I just want to summarize what I think the Bible says across the board and across Scripture, Old and New Testament. There are some things that are very clear throughout all of Scripture. First of all, that God designed marriage. God said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. He says we need to be partners. He designed monogamous male-female marriages as a picture of God and the church. Yeah. And and so the, there's no question throughout all of scripture that God designed marriage to be that between a man and a woman and permanent. Yeah. So he designed it monogamous and permanent. And those are the key principles that scripture has. Then there's man's fall and man's sin. And what do we do about the messes where we can't make it permanent? Scripture does speak to those things. And and so let's, let's hit at some of those. Okay. So I think one of the passages that comes in because Jesus alluded to it when he spoke about divorce. He alludes to what Moses said and is written in Malachi 2.6 and also in the older laws that that Moses permitted a certificate of divorce. So if I can tell you about that a little bit, what that was was a protection for women who were being abandoned. They were being effectively divorced, abandoned, discarded, but not being given a certificate of divorce so they couldn't get remarried. So in a society where women were dependent on men to buy property, to sell property, to be sustained at all financially and practically, if they had no certificate of divorce so they couldn't get remarried, 
married, they were just abandoned. Yeah. They couldn't eat even. They wouldn't maybe have a place to live. It's very different than nowadays. Yeah. So this permission that was given in the law here was really to protect women who were who were being abandoned. So I think that's important. So we see already in Scripture that there is room for managing the sinfulness of man. And that's what Jesus alludes to also when he talks about this. He says that, you know, Moses permitted this because of your hard hearts. Mm. That's how Jesus said it. And so he knows that we have hard hearts and that we have to figure out what do we do if the ideal design isn't what happens in our lives. I like that. He's giving us a plan B because he knows that we're fallen and that we need that. And sometimes we need redemption and we need help. Okay, when plan A does fall apart, what do I do now? And he doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us instruction for that. So God does give us room for when and how we can manage it if we are divorced. I, I want to talk about the First Corinthians passage. This is chapter 7. It says that a woman is bound to a husband as long as he lives, and if he dies, she's free to remarry. So again, if a woman is set free, the Old Testament, or, or a man is set free, the Old Testament says, you know, get a certificate of divorce and make it final. And the New Testament says, you know, if somebody passes, you can remarry. So the design is, as long as somebody's alive, you're married to them, ideally, permanently. But there are endings. Life has endings. It also talks in Scripture about the one caveat that you not divorce unless someone commits adultery. Mm. So I want to talk about that for just a second. That word adultery is actually the word for infidelity, meaning unfaithfulness. And I do think, you know, that we need to understand that that is obviously and most obviously sexual fidelity. Sure. But it also can be broader than that because it means did you break the vow? Okay. So what are the vows in a marriage? Yeah, to love in for better or worse until death do us part. To have and hold. For richer, for poorer, all those sickness yeah. and health. And so we make these vows that are related to being a partner with somebody for life yeah. in many ways. In every circumstance. In every circumstance yeah. and in many ways. And so I do think that there is room within the theology to talk about having been unfaithful, having broken our vows. In some cases, if you are abandoned completely, somebody leaves you. And they they leave you physically. You know, can you get that divorce? Is that the same as adultery? Those are good questions. I think especially in the church, because people are always trying to figure out, yeah, what does that translate to? What does that really mean? What's the significance? And so I think the breaking of the vows through domestic violence, Mm -hmm. through uh, addictions that really put the entire family at risk, you know, whether it's gambling or drug addictions and things, those are other forms of true abandonment that I think the Old Testament shows us that there is mercy for those who are oppressed and mercy for those who are abandoned and that we need some tools and means to handle those things. So I think that's an important concept in scripture because we sometimes we want, I know people who've had affairs who are Christians just so they had an excuse for divorce. Is that crazy or what? That is, yeah. It says, oh, well, if I do this, then I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a scripture that talks about, you know, are we just using the law for our own ends? You know, like, oh, I can use this and twist this in order to do or say or act in the way that I wish. And, you know, certainly not. We don't have the law or grace so that we keep on sinning, like it says in the New Testament. The truth is, it's actually harder than that. It's uh, what the scripture is telling us and the way Jesus comes at it is this, this 
process of do we have an excuse for divorce and what do we do is actually harder than it, it was. But we yeah. do know that God does care about those who are oppressed and we want to get that. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back after that. Wellspring now offers professional Christian counseling at six locations in Dade County. Therapists are now taking clients at two new locations, one at Crossbridge, Miami Springs, and Key Biscayne. For more information, 786-573-7010 or wellspringmiami.org for more information. Welcome back. This is Tova with Wellspring on the Air with Lindsay Steffen. And today we are talking about divorce. It's called When the Vow Breaks. And so if you missed the beginning of the show, you can find us on your favorite podcast channel, Wellspring on the Air, and listen to the beginning of the show. If not, just join us right in. Today is part of a two-part series on divorce. The first part is today we're talking about the Christian and divorce and what the Bible has to say about divorce and recovery from it. And we're going to also talk about how to recover from divorce from all angles. And then next week, we will have a part two in this. We'll talk about children in divorce and families around those who are divorced, families and friends. How do we handle it from there? So let's dive back in. We were just talking about the fact that God designed us to be married, for it to be monogamous, and for it to be permanent. And that he also understands, and we see this in scripture, that we have hard hearts, we do sin against each other, and we see that God steps in to protect those who are oppressed, and that he does have grace and understanding for those occasions when it doesn't work out because of our hard hearts. Yeah. So the last piece I want to say on that before we move into divorce recovery tools is that this passage in 1 Corinthians 7 says that... If a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. And that a brother who has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. There's a principle here yeah. that I want to talk about. A hard about. principle. Maybe. A hard principle. <laughs> yeah. And that principle is that you may have an excuse for a divorce. You may have a adultery. You may have a reason for divorce. But as a believer, when we are deciding if we're going to get that divorce, we really need to work hard at that decision. Because if the person is willing to stay with us, if we can stay and pull off that relationship, that we are actually giving covenant coverage for our children by being just one believer in the family covers the children in in a protective way we are also possibly winning them over right yeah there's scripture that says that like who knows wife if you'll not lead your husband to the lord so but that this could be a very unpopular message sometimes it is so i want to flesh it out a little bit because i think from the counseling perspective and and uh lindsay you can tell me if you agree but from the counseling perspective i've counseled many people and actually it was my own experience which is one of the reason I mentioned my own experience is that if you are with somebody and they are dysfunctional, let's just call it dysfunctional because it covers a multitude of things, right? <laughs> so if you are married to someone and they're dysfunctional and you get healthy, I believe you should stay as long as they will tolerate it. And as long as there isn't a need for safety. Right. There's not you know? abuse or addiction, something very, you know, a safety issue. A like safety you issue. And it could be physical safety or emotional safety. You're getting so beat up that you can't tolerate it. Right. But as long as you can tolerate it with God's amazing strength, God's amazing healing, God's amazing mm-hmm. power, Christ in you, right? As long as you can tolerate the suffering of being in a bad marriage, you should as long as you can. And here's what happens, though. If the you have two dysfunctional people who get married. One of them gets healthy or becomes a Christian. Yeah. They start getting well. They start going to counseling. They start getting into scripture and they start getting strong. The other person will either grow with them 
or it'll break. Yeah. So I'm not saying people should stay in a dysfunctional marriage and stay dysfunctional themselves. In other words, that's enabling. I'm not saying just stay and be codependent, stay and let them beat you up, stay and do that. I'm saying as long as you can handle it, you be healthy. Mm-hmm. And here's what happens. They either grow or they leave. Yeah. There's and really only two options. There's no they, t- they come with you or they separate from you. Like light and dark cannot exist together like we see in the Bible. So they either go towards the light or they leave and go towards the dark. And for me in my own divorce, that's actually what happened. I'm not saying I was all light and he was all dark, but I think he had issues that were in his life and he couldn't tolerate it with me. Yeah. He couldn't. He left. He left the seminary he left the church he left me he couldn't tolerate that with whatever was going on in his life and so he left and he let me i waited it out and when he filed for the divorce honestly i was happy i was relieved because it was just bad it was a release for you it was a release but i didn't have to go fill out the papers and turn them in and it and that during that process god brought me to better health i had to learn to practice not being codependent i had to learn to figure out who i was and to stand up for things and so i Mm. changed and so had i just left and i think people do this they're in a dysfunctional relationship they haven't worked on their own emotional health they get out too soon and they just repeat it yeah. They marry the next person. It's the same scenario, different face. <laughs> different face. And people yeah. get married right away. They jump ship on with this dysfunctional person. They jump to the next dysfunctional person. Yeah. It's worth the time and effort to do it God's way and God's timing, to stay in a hard situation and figure out what does healthy look like there. If you can master it there, you won't marry that again. Yeah. You might as well practice on the old guy, the old woman. And we, we <laughs> as know- tacky as that sounds, you might as well practice there. Yeah. Kind of work out, work out the dysfunction there, get healthy, and healthy. you had a good practice playing field. <laughs> and, and that's sad to say, but it is actually what yeah. happens. It's about waiting for God's timing and for God's release from a, a bad marriage. And yeah. I, I promise you, I've seen this happen over and over where the truly dysfunctional, rebellious in their heart person will find a way to get out. Yep. They won't tolerate healthy. And I actually, I can speak even clinically to that with clients where I see, I often will see the individual in it who's in a dysfunctional marriage. And as they get healthier doing their individual counseling with me, they will then they'll say, you know, my, my husband is not being verbally abusive anymore because I'm being assertive. Like we're learning about, I'm setting boundaries. So he has to start changing. Or I see the other side where he's really not tolerating this. And I left the other night because I refused to, you know, stay in it Mm -hmm. and Eventually, they separate. So it's kind of not a joke, but we say, like, careful when one goes to counseling because the marriage is forced to shift for better or worse kind of thing mm-hmm. and really for better but the other person has to come along too so you see this play out exactly as you're saying tova and i think we just trust god trust scriptures you know mm-hmm. this is meant to be permanent stay as long as you can yeah. and but i don't think we want to judge other people's choices we don't know right. when it's too much when it's too hard what somebody can or can't tolerate yeah. And so there are there are times that divorce is the right answer. Yeah. It's the lesser of evils. Right. It's not God's design, but it's the lesser of evils. And I do yeah. struggle when I see, uh, and I've seen this where pastors encourage a woman to just stay because it's the biblical thing to do and she's getting abused or the children are getting abused and Anna so and that's not the biblical thing because God does like you've said over and over he has a heart for the oppressed and so asking someone to stay in that is actually unbiblical we believe well and we might get flack for the show so (laughs) you know go ahead and write us a letter but I, I really believe that the truth is the answers are not 
simple. Right. They're messy. People's lives are complex, and we need to not give simple answers to people. Yeah. They need to work it through one situation at a time. Do I do I separate but not divorce? Do I do I stay in the house in separate rooms? Do I divorce? And those are hard questions. We just need to not judge too quickly with some biblical. Right. Easy answers. Yeah. And I think, and we stand as wellspring. God loves marriage, we believe. He loves that design, and we love it too. And so we are so pro marriage. That's obvious, but we also are very pro safety and pro, you know, self care and taking care of yourself and your kids. So. Yeah, and and that might look like a really long road of you getting healthy, and then you just trust God with what happens. You get healthy. That's your that's what's in your control. That's perfect and biblical. All right, I want to talk about divorce recovery tools as we as we get closer to the end of this show. First stage of a divorce recovery is grief. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is, even if you were the bad guy. If there is such a thing, even if you are the one who filed for the divorce, everyone in a divorce has grief to go through Absolutely. because it's the loss of the dream. There was a day you got married and on that day, or at least during the engagement, you had a dream of what you wished, what you thought you would have with this person for life. And so that lost dream needs to be grieved. And sometimes we hard on other people who are like, well, you should just be glad you got rid of him. And sometimes somebody feels that way, but then they're surprised when yeah. the divorce comes through or they have no one to talk to because their whole friends and family are saying good riddance. And they're like, but I kind of, I kind of still love him in some strange way. And I, yeah. you know, and you I, can see all the bad that's there and still love someone. Don't we do that with our parents, with our best friends? You know, you can love people who are so flawed. And it's the same with a divorce in a marriage situation. And it's because God designed us to be a permanent union and it's the tearing apart of a permanent union. Yeah. And so there will be grief and loss and we need to give ourselves room for that. Sometimes people get married, remarried in months or, you know, a short time redating. Really, we th- say what? What do you think? How long? <laughs> That they should stay separated. Uh-huh. I mean, probably people would say two years kind of from Wellspring. Yeah, that that would be an at least at least two years marker to really Time heal, to become yourself again. You know, mm-hmm. know yourself as now an individual, a single person. You maybe you haven't been single for twenty, twenty five years, or even if it's five years, your lives are so enmeshed. You need to know yourself again and know who you are in the Lord. And time for grief. You know, the other parts yeah. of grief are ones that I think are not acknowledged. You know, when you your spouse dies, people send you flowers and they condole you, give you condolences. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a good process of of grief, but we don't have that in divorce often. There's just people taking sides, and no one's really saying you should grieve. You know, this bad person, or you don't get to grieve because you're the one who filed. And all the secondary losses also deserve some grief recovery. So sometimes you lose your church home because together you were in a church and one person typically ends up leaving that church home. You might lose your friends because they pick sides. They divide. You might lose your in-laws and the family members. That was true for me. I I lost my in-laws who I adored and my brothers-in-law and they became family to me. It was a huge loss. You can lose your home, your pets, so many things that you can't split in half. (laughs) I know. My husband took our dog because it was his and then he saw my tears and everything and he brought him back and I got to keep the dog. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just couldn't handle that loss on top of the other. I just couldn't. And so I think we have a lot of losses that, that need to be grieved in that process. So there's grief loss. There's also sometimes there's trauma recovery. Yes. Uh, I know you mentioned that, Lindsay. What do you what do you think about that? 
Yeah, well, we do trauma work at Wellspring all the time, but especially post-divorce. I mean, we do trauma work around that just like we do trauma around, you know, a car accident, abuse, anything, because you really are... uh, you're shaken. You might have PTSD. You might have dreams and, you know, things coming to you, intrusive thoughts, and you really have to do that deeper trauma work and heal down to the deepest root and core of yourself. Might be the day in court. It might be some horribly abusive words that were spoken to each other or even violence or, you know, the day you think you're going to lose your kids. Uh, Those are all traumatic, can be traumatic. Or how other people have responded to the fact you're getting divorced. I think I hear that a lot, just Mm. pain from it's unfortunate, but family, church people who have said some very hurtful things mm-hmm. when you're at maybe your lowest point. It's true. It's yeah. true. All right. The other part of recovery after grief and loss and trauma recovery is how to start over from the beginning. And that's yeah. the place that people really need to get to. It doesn't matter if it was your fault or someone else's fault. At some point, let go of that past and move on. So I think the first place of new beginnings is letting go. So it's letting go of power struggles. So that people who are divorced and are still trying to prove that it wasn't them or that the other person was as bad as they were and deserved to be divorced or that they're trying to rescue their reputation because of all those hurtful things that people say, letting that go. Your reputation isn't, you know, there are people who are going to judge you and not understand. Let it go. There are power struggles you're not going to win if you couldn't win it when you're married you're not going to win it when you're divorced let it go just just yeah you're not going to win that battle so you're only you're hurting yourself and stunting your own growth of not being able to go forward yeah you're staying in the past yeah so another part of new beginnings is is forgiveness Mm. and you know jesus is on the cross and the people who are crucifying him he 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 says father forgive them for they know not what they do and they were Mm. murdering him they were torturing him mm-hmm. and so we just need to at some point when the divorce is all over you know to just move forward and so so maybe the, the statement is they did the best they could maybe they didn't do the best they could <laughs> and and they really were sinful and downright evil it doesn't matter at some point our choice is to forgive them and to live in the present and future that's yeah. why we have a savior all of us have sinned everyone all of us have m- made mistakes, yeah. and all of us have these regrets, and that's why we have Jesus, because yeah. he, he forgives all of that. And we can let go of other people's stuff, yes. and we can forgive ourselves even. If we were the, the ones who made the mistakes, and we're bad parents, and now we're trying to parent the next batch of children, mm-hmm. you know, we just have to start in the present and forgive ourselves, forgive other people, and yeah. let that be God's business to judge. I love that. Yeah, I always tell clients, you know, these things, they become a part of your story, but they're no longer your identity. But holding on to that, keeping it a part of your current identity, it's only hurting you and the people around you. Just heal, let it go, let it just be a part of your story and it no longer has power over you. That's so true. And as we wrap up, the last thing is really to to move forward is to seek success. Could you love your enemy and hope they succeed? Could you seek the success of your ex in their lives, in their next marriage, with their next children? With God, you can. With God. <laughs> With prayer. Right. Pray for your enemies. No. <laughs> but but so beginning to seek win-win situations for your children, for their children, for all of that, as we seek good things and success yeah. for all the people involved, all the exes yeah. and all the blended children and all of that, that as we seek that success, we will be better for it and we'll get better success for us, yeah. for our lives and for our kids' futures. For your kids, yeah. You want to be able to even, we go into a lot of, this is another show, but parent mediation, 
all of those things because you need to be able to co-parent well together if that's a piece of your story. So So we're going to wrap up. Again, this is Tova and Lindsay with Wellspring on the Air, and this show has been When the Vow Breaks, talking about divorce for Christians, divorce recovery tools. This was part one of a two-part series, so part two coming up is Children of Divorce and the role of family and friends for those who divorce. So we'll have that show. If you want any parts missing on this, find us on your favorite podcast with Wellspring on the Air. It's time to wrap up. This is Tova Krefs with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.